Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I want to take a moment. We want to welcome our campuses. Meadville, we love you so much. Newcastle, we love you. Cranberry, would you welcome them along with those online today? We love you guys so much. One church, multiple locations. God's doing great things, great, great things in each of those cities. And we're th- so thankful to get to do it as one church all together in separate places. Isn't it just so good? And uh, how many of you enjoyed Stephen Chandler last week? Man, was, is he, is that a blast? And uh, he and Zai uh, told him, you know, we're gonna have to get you guys back here. Probably, certainly within the next year and a half, we'll get him back. And, and uh, can you believe, he's 34 years old. Can you believe that's all the age he is? To be that much, have that much wisdom in his heart. What an amazing young man. And uh, this was a, a blast. The week before uh, Stephen and Zai were here, uh, we had our impact offering for Kingdom Builders. At all of the campuses, you, you, you already have been told about Kingdom Builders today, and, and, and thank you at every campus for your faithfulness. Cranberry, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Newcastle, Meadville, those of you that give online, thank you. And I just want to just let you know that the impact offering, I want to celebrate with you today. And it's the, we, if, you, if you don't know about Kingdom Builders, it's just simply this. It's what we give beyond the walls of our church. And it's what people do beyond their normal giving. And we've committed this year to trust God, to be able to give away $1.6 million at a minimum, and to give that both in world mission projects, expanding God's kingdom in our own nation and including our own backyard. And then also investing in raising up future, future Christian leaders. And so I want to thank you for that. I want to let you know your impact offering uh, for November has ex- uh, to this, to, literally, has already exceeded the entire that you gave in November all of last year. This is by far the largest offering we have ever received in our church toward that goal and I just have to thank you for your faithfulness thank you kingdom builders and let me know let me tell you you gave in the impact offering in so far in the month of November seven hundred and thirty four thousand five hundred and fifteen dollars come on man Newcastle celebrated come on Meadville those of you that give online come on what a privilege it is and 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 you're giving just so you know just in that offering you funded so many of the projects and, and it was just remarkable. What we're doing in Myanmar was fully funded. And the Dominican Republic, as we're building a, a, a medical facility there, you, that, that part of it was fully funded. Orphanage in Mexico. What we do in Cambodia, Beirut, Lebanon, Guatemala, the Philippines. The A21 ministry, which is reaching people with Christine Kane's ministry in sex trafficking. And then you also fully funded what we're doing in, as we construct what we call, what's called the House of Palms in northern India which is a, literally a residence facility where girls that are sexually trafficked by their own fathers in their own homes in that village are, are, are brought there. And the parents actually, instead of prostituting their child, are willing to put them there because the child will be educated and they can see more re- income from that. And you're, you funded that. Uh, just so you know, we're going to get pictures of you for you of these girls. Now, you can't post them or, or, or duplicate them, but I want you to leave with them because I want you praying over these kids, uh, the kids particularly from the House of Palms. Two other things you fully funded. Our, our, what we have here at Victory, our residency program, which is part of Future Christian Leaders, where we bring residents here for two years fully funded so that we can help train and develop them in ministry so they can go and serve. And these are people that are, are called to separate themselves to serve in the kingdom of God. Then also you fully funded 
that it, victory, if, you, if your student goes to, the, goes to our youth ministry in their junior and senior high year, this fully funds a missions trip for them. So every student who's a part of our youth ministry gets to taste what it means to serve outside of our nation, to see what exists outside of this amazing nation that we live in. Thank you for investing in the next generation. Kingdom Builders, you're incredible. Come on, man. All the campuses. Come on, let's thank God together. What a blessing. And on top of that, we had a, a precious family in our church come and say, look, I, we want to give something, but we want to add it as a match. So here's what they're going to do. Uh, through the end of the year, because you can give toward Kingdom Builders right through year's end. Uh, and by the way, I'll announce the total of income that all that you gave into Kingdom Builders in the beginning of January. But so a family came to us and said, look, we want to, we want to be able to match up to $250,000 given into Kingdom Builders for the rest of the year. And so, so everything you give up to the 250,000 will be doubled. I'm telling you guys, when we get into January, you are going to be able to see, and I'm, I know I'm trusting God and I believe we're going to so eclipse that $1.6 million. And listen, we are going to make phone calls because every penny of it goes out, but we put it right back out there to the ministries you support, the projects you support. And, uh, and so you're going to be making phone calls. People at, at the Meadville campus, we're going to ask you to do some, and, and Newcastle and Cranberry. And if you are online and that's your home where, you, where you're a part of Victory and you're a part of Kingdom Builders, let us know in the comments. Maybe we can include you. The ones that are local, we're going to get to go down and surprise these people. And then we're going to video it all so all of you can see the joy that comes to people around the world as you serve what God has called them to do. Kingdom builders, you are making a difference in the world that I cannot exaggerate. Can you thank God again for the privilege of being a kingdom builder? Come on, what a gift, what a privilege. Let me ask you a question though. Is, wouldn't it be great if what you just felt right now, if you were participating in this and you're, and you're able to see the little girls that are being brought and literally rescued out of prostitution, the feeling you have with that kind of obedience and partnering with others that are, that are doing it, there's, there's nothing really to compare to that. Wouldn't it be great if every day and every moment of your Christian life felt that good? Has anybody here ever just wanted to feel, everyone say feel, feel just more spiritual? You just You want to feel like I'm, feel like I'm closer to God. Let me give you a hint. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to be an everyday thing. And so I want to take some time and talk to you about a, a subject that every Christian, not every other Christian, every Christian deals with. Every one of them. And it's the paradox of Christianity. The paradox of Christianity. Now, a paradox is simply this. It's a situation, it's a person or a thing that combines contradictory features or qualities. It's a paradox. Uh, enjoying putting up Christmas decorations to me is a paradox. I wasn't going to say that when Michelle was here, but as you could tell, I should go back to marriage class. But I enjoy putting up Christmas. Well, there you go. That's my paradox. I know it's a job, but you know, but so is digging a ditch. But Jesus loves us. I love Jesus. His birthday is not so much all the time. But that, you say, but you have issues. It's a paradox. A paradox. Here's a good one. In January, health clubs are going to have all kinds of people join them. And it's going to last for at least an hour or a week. <laughs> now, for, there are those of you here that have never had a weight issue. You're thin. You're, like, you're the persons that say, I eat all I want. I can, have a, I can eat a whole chocolate cake. I don't gain an ounce. And just so you know, God helps us not to hate you. 
Okay, so don't tell people that. Be more self-aware. Okay, you go to somebody that's wearing clothes that when they get home, when they take them off, their body goes, I love you. Skinny people don't understand that. I just believe your robe is going to be tight for at least one millennia in heaven so you know what it felt like on earth. But, uh, but so let's say you're one of those people that you're, you're, you're starting to work out, you're dieting and you drop some weight, you're moving and you start to feel good. And what do you say? You say, I don't know why I don't always do this. I feel this makes me, and you're like, I'm going to do this forever. And then two months later, you're like pounding down a pizza. That's a paradox. Let, let me give you a better one. This is an Italian family paradox. And, and so my dad was such an integral man. He was a good man. He was rough around the edges. The truth of it is he didn't even have edges. He was just rough. Okay. But he was a good man. He made us feel safe. Now he was rough, but I'm telling you, if, if there was a crisis and my dad was there, I, I felt safe. A lot of people don't, don't ever feel that in their home. And, and, and your earthly home and your earthly parents may not have provided that for you, but you have a heavenly father that will never leave you and that will never forsake you. But my dad, I can remember as a kid, if there were like tornado concerns, I always thought we were going to die until he came home. And for whatever reason, I know it's not rational, but he made me feel so safe that if he was home, I knew that there's no way a tornado would hit our home, my dad's home. And, and, and he really was that good of a man. But right on the other side, there wasn't a whole lot of, let's just say, uh, what's the word, encouragement? He wasn't one, one of those, honey, how you feeling today? I never heard that from him. Now, when he had grandchildren, I don't know who crawled in that man's body. But it ain't the guy I knew, just so, just so you know, for your, your grandparents. So my dad would say things like this. Hey, boy, your name's like, because I'm John Luzo II. You got my first name and my last name. Don't mess it up. And then I do something stupid. He go, use your mother's maiden name. Use your mother's maiden name. Don't use my name. You make me ashamed. And it was, it was just so encouraging as he did that throughout my life. And it's a paradox how that man could make you also feel safe. But he did. But he was just very direct. When you were complaining or had an issue about anything, here's what he would say. And, he, and again, it wouldn't be, here's how he would say it. Nobody cares. I don't care how you feel. No one cares how you feel. Shut up and go to work. Your mother cares. She's the only one ever going to care. Just shut up. Shut up. But dad, shut up and go to work. Now, this is the one that probably, if, you're, if you have a Catholic background, how many of you like me have a Catholic background? You'll understand this maybe a little bit more. Uh, there's a doctrine in the Catholic church that, that can cause you to have more children than you may choose or think to have. I'll just leave it there. My, my, I have four brothers, so there's five of us. And my dad, now he never said this in front of my mother because he was afraid of her. And so, in this case, but so we would just be around him and he'd say, let me tell you something, you five salams. And he pointed with like this, you five salams, let me tell you something, okay? You better thank God your mother's a good Catholic because if she wasn't a good Catholic, none of you would be here. And boy, it made me feel just so loved. Can't you feel it? That's what you call a paradox. Because in, in spite of all that, I knew he loved me and he made me feel safe. And so, uh, and the older I got, the more fun it was. In fact, when my dad, as he got older, I said, please don't die young. Please live because I need the material. 
Now we just say, he, I, I love him so much. And, but let me tell you something. Every one of us, listen to me. Every one of us live with a spiritual paradox. Whether you've been a Christian a day or a decade or five decades, there's a spiritual paradox that is unavoidable. And listen to me, please. And it never goes away. And it's simply this. That we, if you've given your life to Jesus, somewhere inside you, in your heart, you crave, you absolutely crave to live for God. You have this craving to live a spiritual life. And you crave to live it one way, but you end up not doing it. And you constantly let yourself down, and ultimately you conclude, man, God's just going to be so sick of me. The paradox of every Christian's life, every Christian's life, every Christian's life is this. I want to walk with God, but why don't I do it? I want, to, I want to be closer to God, but I'm not. I want to pray more, but I don't. I want to, I want to. God, and it's not a works thing or a thing that you want to make God love you. It's just something in you, but you don't do it. It's the paradox of every Christian's life. Now listen, until this paradox is resolved, you are going to be paralyzed in your ability to have an intimate relationship with God. We say it here again and again and at all of our campuses that this church exists to help all people realize, all people, love God, hate God, all people realize that God loves them unconditionally. When you understand the unconditional love of God, you understand that you don't initiate the love of the Father toward you. He loves you. He's for you. And then we, then we talk about what we call the big four. And it's really the four desires that God has for every human being on planet Earth. And these four desires are because he loves you. You may love God or, or, or deny God, but he still loves you and desires these things for you. Now, whether you choose to receive and respond to him is not up to God. That's up to me and that's up to you. But let me help you understand this paradox is why many people don't walk with God and they get paralyzed. Because something that they think they should be doing that aren't doing, it paralyzes them. It makes them doubt that God is for them. And then what God has desired for you, there's four great desires in the heart of God for every human being. And we call them here the big four for clarity, is that he wants you to know him, to know God. An intimacy, not a religious nonsense, but an intimate relationship with God. An intimacy that will produce life in you. And then he wants you to discover, if you will, find freedom from your, your past. Most people live their tomorrows driven by their yesterdays. And God wants you to be set free from your yesterdays. Both the things that you failed to do and the things that people have failed to do for you or even those that have hurt you. Most people can never live in their, live in their tomorrow because they're trapped in their yesterday. But God doesn't just want you to know him. He wants you to be free from your yesterday. Doesn't mean you, don't, you look at it and think, well, it's wonderful that it happened. It means it loses its power to dictate your tomorrow. It no longer can dominate and control your life. And then the third thing is that then you can discover your purpose. Why did God put me on the earth beyond paying bills, finding some pleasure, solving some of my personal pain? What is the purpose of my life? You cannot live in your purpose for the future if you're trapped in your past. Thus, he wants you to know him intimately, an intimacy that will produce such life that you will be set free and find freedom from your past and then discover your purpose and then finally be able to live your life to make an impact. God made every person here to make an impact with your life. Kingdom builders is one way we make an impact. But your individual lives were designed by God for you to make an impact beyond your wants, beyond your needs, beyond your pain, beyond your sorrow. And yet most Christians live and die and never step into these things. It's not because they don't want them. It's because of ignorance. The Bible said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
Remember this, ignorance guides our lives every bit as much as understanding. I want to say that again. Ignorance guides our lives every bit as much as understanding does. And ignorance regarding this paradox is paralyzing. In fact, this type of ignorance will not just impact Christians, but non-Christians. This paradox will cause people that don't know Christ and never want to walk with Christ. Henry David Thoreau was a contemporary of the time of the revolution. He was a philosopher. He, went to, he was at Harvard when it was still more of a theological seminary. He didn't necessarily, he wasn't a, certainly he wasn't a Christian, but he had some concept of God in his life. And he was a deep, deep thinking man. He wrote uh, a great uh, a writing that he has on civil disobedience. And there's a lot of things that Thoreau did that were very, very thoughtful. But Thoreau began to look at the way Christians lived and it bothered him. Because as Thoreau lived his life and he began to live a very narrow life and very, his relationships were a little bit odd because he began to think that what you do with your life was more important than who you are. That God, if there was one, was going to be more inclined to connect to you if you did something rather than something that he just did because he loved you. In other words, his mindset was, I approach who, whatever is out there, and if I rise to this level, I can have a relationship with him. But the problem is there, there's no way you can rise that high. But yet Thoreau, when he looked at Christians, listen to this statement, and you can hear in this the frustration and the paradox. He's talking about Christian men and women. He said, thus men will lie on their backs talking about the fall of man. And never make an effort to get up. He said these Christians, they talk about the stain of sin and what Jesus did. And they'll discuss it forever. But they seem to never do anything about it. He, in fact, I believe, dismissed Christianity because of this paradox. He couldn't, here's the key. He couldn't understand the why of God's will for human behavior. He focused his life on the what and not the why. And he completely missed the heart of God. When Christianity devolves or degenerates to what you have to do and what you shouldn't do, it is no longer a relationship. It is nothing but a dead letter in a religion. It is void of a relationship. And Thoreau was a very, very disciplined man. And he looked at Christians and he saw the paradox of their lives and he thought, give me a break. They're not even committed. And so Thoreau, his God was in his brain and it died when he died even though the writings of Thoreau are wonderful they won't get you to heaven and didn't get him to heaven but why it isn't just non-Christians that will pull back from God but even Christians the why that God wants behaviors in my life is not so that he can stomach me it's not so that I can do enough to where God can go okay I can I can put up with that Uh, I'll help you now It's why God wants my life to be in a certain type of behavior or decisions. Because he loves you. Thoreau never saw it, and most Christians don't either. Thus, the paradox absolutely paralyzes them. Because they're waiting to feel something you're never going to feel. I remember when I was a a, a young Christian, I had this illusion in my mind that I was maybe six months away from having this thing licked. Man, I won't have any more issues in my life. I, I will have it done. I'm that, far, I'm that close. Ooh. And the older I get, 
the bigger that gets. And now it's the size, not of a football field, but of a continent. Because this paradox is by design. And what it forces you to do is something very important. And I want to take you there in just a moment. But why does God tolerate this paradox of desiring one thing toward God, but not actually fulfilling it all the time? Why does he tolerate it? And this is something that both Thoreau and non-Christians struggle with and most Christians struggle with. I'll tell you why he tolerates it. The same reason a parent does. Now, if you've been blessed to be a parent and if you're trusting for that to happen in your life, I, I pray that God just, whether it's whatever it might be, that he just moves in your life even supernaturally to bring that to pass for you. But if you're a parent, here's what you know. The greatest sources of pain and pleasure you ever know on the planet will come from your children. And whether it's pain or pleasure, your love doesn't change that much. Because you don't choose to love your kids. It's innate. You can't help it. Now, can they harm you? Can they break your heart? Can they even do damage? Can they do damage to themselves? Absolutely. Doesn't mean you're joyful about it. But can I tell you this? That when you understand the motive of any parent who loves their child is to better their child's life, not their own. And until you understand that's how God sees you, you're trapped. God's desire toward my live my life and the way I live my everyday life, even the behaviors of my life, is about my good, not his. And until that revelation of his love and his kindness and his mercy saturate you to understand, and if you're a parent and privileged to do so, you know that unavoidable, almost unimaginable love. And one thing you've learned if you're a parent, your children will never love you like you love them. They can't. It's not possible. It's not even, it's not possible to love. It's not possible for our children to love us like we love them. You see, at some point, our children, they, had no, they were brought into our world. But we, we love them and are consumed with them. And, and the, you know, my daughters, for example, because I'm Italian and I love to f- grab their faces, they're like, Dad, you, you, you got issues. And I said, no, you have issues <laughs> till I'm dead. This is who I am. I'm coming, baby. The apostle Paul was devastated by this paradox. I mean, it devastated him. I'm going to read you what he wrote about this devastation. See, sometimes we think we're going to get to this great spiritual plateau. And when I get there, then I'll have some of this stuff licked. And this paradox will go away. Please hear my heart. It never goes away. And there's a reason. It never goes away. It never goes away. Now, here's the Apostle Paul, who had an amazing experience with God to even come to Christ. And then after he's a Christian for a few years, he has an experience where Jesus, listen, literally takes him to heaven and teaches him what we find in what are called the Pauline Revelation. This man ended up writing almost two-thirds of the New Testament as he wrote out what, the whole, what God showed him in heaven. Here's what Paul said about the experience. I heard things that I can't even explain. They were unspeakable. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I can't even tell. Now imagine the frustration of a man who literally, by, the, by, by God's design, was brought into the very place of heaven itself, and Jesus himself taught him than coming back into a physical body and dealing with this paradox. It devastated him. And I want you to see there is an understanding you have to gain to get beyond it. And without the understanding, you will live in ignorance. 
And please remember, ignorance and understanding both are going to direct your life. One, they both have equal capacity to direct my life and yours. Let me read you what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7 about this paradox. Just reading is, is confusing, let alone, I mean, it's totally confusing just reading it. But this is a man that had been to heaven. And I want you to hear the, the, the frustration in him. Is it safe to say that the Apostle Paul was frustrated with this paradox that you're going to be for the rest of your life and that I'm going to be? Is anybody here, Cranberry, Meville, Newcastle, online, any of you feel like you're at the level spiritually of the Apostle Paul? Anybody? 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 We have a prayer line for people full of pride and absolutely insane, right? Okay, so listen to what he said. Sounds just like me and just like you. He said, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Sound familiar? So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Does that sound familiar? This is the Apostle Paul. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. I have discovered this principle of life. Say out loud, discovered. That means this wasn't innate. He had to understand it. And he's about to reveal to you and to me the beginnings of the understanding of how to get beyond this paradox that no one escapes. And by the way, if you're a Christian for 80 years, this will be with you to your dying day. Listen to what he said. I've discovered or learned this principle that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And he's going to tell you why now. He said, I've discovered that I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power is trying to make me a slave to the sin that still dwells in me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is Paul. Then he asked a question. Who will free me? Not what will free me. What must I do to be free? He's about to start to talk to us about the answer. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Listen. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but when I yield to my sinful nature, I become a slave to sin. He's saying very simply this, there's an answer to the paradox. There's an answer to the paradox, and get this, the paradox is on purpose. Say it out loud, the paradox is on purpose. And there's a reason for it, because it requires something of me. It requires a dependency upon God and not me. I can never, God has never designed your relationship with him to be to a place to where you can be dependent on you to please him. That even anything good you do is empowered by him. It's an amazing thought that God loves us so desperately. And the relationship he has with us, he said, you are powerless to win this life and live this life without me. And so the paradox drives you into the presence of God. And I want you to grasp these simple principles in, the, in these coming weeks, I'm going to unfold even more of this, but this, it, it, the dependency on him and not us, let me take you into one small principle 
It's hidden treasures. Say it out loud, hidden treasures. Most people don't find them because they are hidden. Listen, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. He said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Say in my heart. And to give us, now listen to this statement, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. All of the campuses, say it out loud, the face of Jesus. It's really important. Now we have this shining light. Say, I have this. If you're a Christian, this is in your heart. This isn't something you're going to fast and pray to get. God, give me this light. You have this light, but listen to what he said about it. We now have this shining light in our hearts, but we contain this treasure in fragile clay jars or our bodies. This makes this clear that our great power, listen, is from God and not from ourselves. He's telling you that the paradox is that you will always live in a fragile body. The power is actually in Christ, in your inward man, but trapped in a a body that the Bible calls mortal or death doomed. The body is fragile. Now, if you're not careful, much of Christian thought begins to then deny the body's use. That the body is something I have to hate because there is a nature that is, because the body's made of the earth and sin is in the earth, that it draws you toward that ungodliness. And as long as you live, your body will, 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 will lean toward those things it's in the flesh and so what most people then do is they if they try to overcome it they just get super spiritual and weird have you ever met a christian who's just super spiritual and weird okay don't elbow anybody but do you ever wonder why some people just become spiritually odd how are you today oh i woke up this god told me these red shoes god told me and he said don't tie the right one and he'll show me later. And you're like, okay, look at the time. Do you want to know why people become odd and super spiritual? Because they don't know how to deal with the paradox. But most of us don't do that extreme. Most of us just say, this isn't for me yet. Thousands of times, and I don't exaggerate, through the years, these over 40 years, I've had people say this to me, mainly men. I'm not really spiritual. Here's what they're saying. I, I don't feel this, man. I, I don't feel it. And you're never gonna. That's the paradox. And my hope today is to help you to start a journey to understand that your body is critical. Critical to overcoming this paradox. Actually, the opposite is true, is that God wants us to learn to use these fragile bodies the way Jesus used his body. See, all of us, you know, what would Jesus do? People want to do what Jesus would do when Jesus did it. But Jesus didn't plan to do what Jesus did. He just did it. The Son of God had certain things he did, listen please, with his body. Do you know the body of Jesus, listen, was as fragile as yours? No, not Jesus. He was all God and all man. His body was subject to death because it died. Jesus had a fragile body. He really did. Now, here's the reality, though. Jesus had certain behaviors with his life that if you don't understand the face of Jesus, they'll become rules to you. They'll become legalism to you. They'll be the things you have to do as a Christian. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to give. You have to. It's the have-tos. And just by saying that, you're trapped. 
The paradox owns you. Say again, the face of Jesus. See, the face of Jesus speaks to intimacy with God, an intimacy that very few Christians ever enjoy. Most people want what's in God's hands, not what's in his face. Because we need things, and, and, or we take things from our hand and say, Father, here, look what I did, and, and, and like me now. The face of Jesus speaks of intimacy, and in his face is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The same glory that made the universe is in his face. But the reason we are driven from intimacy with God is largely the paradox. Because we're waiting to feel spiritual, to believe that we belong in his presence. My daughter, Sianna, got home last night from Alabama. Now, the first thing I did when I saw her is I, I, I hugged her longer than she wanted to be hugged. And, and I grabbed her face, of which she doesn't like when I do this. So well, you shouldn't do that. Shut up. No, I'm sorry. it's my daughter. I can't help it. I haven't seen her. I'm, you don't, I'm, I'm restrained at this point. And I, and I kiss her on the cheek and I hug her and I feel like I just, like a million, uh, God, this is the best life can be. I, I could have hugged her for 12 hours. She could have taken about another, 80, maybe a second or two. Let me give you a better example. When Michelle and I got married, I, I, I grew up, I came to know the Lord, if you will, in a church uh, that was a, a, a wonderful church, but it mainly was Italian people. And, uh, and I came to know the Lord there and grew up spiritually and ended up my first place in ministry, Christian Assembly Church and, and Pastor Bill Anzavino. And they were so gracious. It, 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 I just, I'm so thankful for that, that, that privilege. But Italian people are different than Southern people. Italian people are different than everybody. So we go and Michelle comes to the church with us, with me, and we're in there together. And and people are going to meet her for the first time. And here comes this little Italian lady. And, and, I, and she sees Michelle and I walk in. And here's what she does. Oh! Michelle's like, oh, okay. And she goes, I go, this is Michelle. She oh! She grabs her face and does this. Oh, honey! Oh! And then she does this. Mwah! Kissed her on the mouth. My wife's eyes rolled up in her head. Like, oh my God, what just happened to me? She was not prepared for that level of intimacy. Can I tell you that Jesus is like that Italian old lady? He wants to grab your face and let the light of the glory of God shine out of his face into yours. But like Michelle, we're uncomfortable with that intimacy. And we do this. No, I'm not ready yet. I, I, let me change this first. I'll stop that first. And before long, that's the paradox that kills us. And what I want you to understand is that Jesus wants to take your face, whether you love him or hate him. Now you could choose to receive him or reject him. He'll honor your choice. But if you've given your life to Christ, what I want to help you over these coming weeks is how to stay put when he grabs your face is to believe that he loves you more than you ever love him. Ah, oh, the love of God. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And my prayer today for all of us at all of our campuses is that God will help you today to seek his face and not his hand. 
Now what's in the hand of God for you is precious and, and for me and necessary. But he said, I, I don't want you to have what's in my hand. I want you to have what comes out of my face, this intimacy that's required. And if you don't gain the intimacy, listen, you will, listen, never gain the knowledge of the glory of God that shines in his face. And you will live your life in an ignorance that will, that will brutalize you. That's why God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I don't know anybody that if they honestly, but I don't care if, they, if they're not a Christian, but they believe that Jesus were alive and he wanted to hold you and, and love you so intimately and just look in your face and talk to you and pour the light of the glory of God into you. I don't know anybody that would say no. But we say no constantly because of this paradox. In a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us at all of our campuses. And here's the simple question that I'm asking God to reveal to you and to me. What is it that I believe about God that isn't true? That causes me not to stay face to face with him? What makes me do what Michelle did with that sweet old Italian lady? The uncomfortableness of that kind of intimacy. Now, I think you can understand Michelle and the old lady. Because that's just kind of, if you're not Italian, that's just weird. But for an Italian, it didn't bother me. I was like, oh, Michelle, she loves you. She had PTSD for like a month. And so, no. What God, Heavenly Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for every person, whether they're watching online, whether they're at Newcastle, Meadville, or Cranberry, can you show me the lie that's kept me away from you doing this to me? Can you show me the lie that makes me do this that I'm not prepared yet? I need a little bit more time. I just don't feel like I belong there. You don't belong there because of your goodness, but because of His. You don't belong there because you love Him, but because He loved you. That's why Jesus said, if you will love me, you'll keep my commandments. But you cannot love me unless you know I love you first. What does it mean I loved you first? It means He's running to you doing Whoa! You're going, oh my God, Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, he's excited. Not for me, yeah, for you. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, his love is unimaginable. In a moment, we're going to just, at all of our campuses, stand and worship. And if you're online, don't go away. Because you can do this wherever you are, because God will meet you. Because human beings don't teach us, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And God wants to reveal things to our hearts today. That will cause us to be able to stay in his face. The coming weeks, I know that I'm going to show you people in the Bible that dealt with this and what they did. Oh, it's so wonderful to have intimacy with God. And so I want to pray that to answer this simple question, Lord, how do I let what shines in your face shine in my everyday life so that it governs the way I live and the way I live in this body? Let me pray over all of you at all of our campuses. Then we're going to stand together. We're going to worship. And just let your heart melt in his. Set wherever at the campuses, even wherever you're at online. I want you, when we stand in a moment to worship, to draw a little circle just around you and God. An altar. Where you let him take you face to face and love you. In his presence, his fullness of joy. Let me pray for all of our campuses before we worship. Father, I pray for those that are watching online right now. For those at the Meadville campus in Newcastle and those here at the Cranberry campus.
and those who may be watching this in a month or in a year or five years because you're timeless Holy Spirit speak to our life show us why we so easily seek what's in your hand but pull back from the intimacy of seeking your face help us to see it's not a spiritual achievement but a belief in who you are help us not live in the in the, in the deception that Thoreau lived in and that others even in those that name the name of Jesus and Father for those who may be among us that really may not even believe in you or have never given their life to you I pray that in this opportunity when they just stay put because your great love you will pull on their hearts and they'll begin to realize there is a love that's greater than anything I've ever known help them to see the great love that you are now let's stand at all of our campuses and come on let's worship him Holy Spirit have your way have your way in our hearts Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.